You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 94. Today's show is a co-pro with the podcast Why I'll Never Make It, hosted by actor Patrick Oliver Jones. We're going to hear his interview with Rebecca Selko, head of the financial wellness program at the Actors Fund. I'll introduce Patrick, and then we'll play his interview with Rebecca. In order to keep this episode to an hour, I only play part of their interview. The unabridged episode I'll include on our Patreon feed. It will be public, so you don't have to be a patron to access it. Find that at patreon.com slash artisticfinance, where you will also find the outtakes from today's chat with Patrick. The outtakes this week are us talking about our previous investment accounts at ShareBuilder. Now, without further ado, let's get to the episode. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel. Today, I have a special episode planned with actor Patrick Oliver-Jones. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be on this podcast as well as sharing this great episode. So Patrick and I are also recording an episode together that's going to be released in the future. Both our podcasts put a spotlight on how artists make a living in the arts. I obviously come from a lighting designer perspective. Patrick comes from an acting perspective, but the challenges of freelancing in a creative career overlap in a gazillion ways. And I just relate to you, Patrick, as a host, because the way you conduct your interviews, to me, is how I like to have interviews in real life. I've made a point, especially when I'm talking to my guests and I'm, we're kind of setting up our interviews and recording times, that I really call it a conversation because I don't want it to be an interview. I don't want this to just be a, a chronological list of, oh, you worked this, then you did that, then you were in that show. No, I, I like to kind of dig into certain parts of their story, of their life, and really see who they are as a person as well as an artist. So speaking of all that, could you actually explain what the show is and why you're doing it? It started out as just a way to talk about the business and see what others are doing compared to how we're doing. And that why I'll never make it just kind of came up from the various ways that we tell ourselves, well, I'm not, I'm not going to make it because, well, I do this, or I have this bad habit, or I've never done that, or it just kind of came out of that. It then became about well, what is making it mean? How do we do it? What What is it that's holding us back? It came from a very personal place because I, like you, I dream of being on Broadway. I've been here 14 years now, still waiting on that Broadway show. So it's it's a matter of, well, why am I not making it? Why is this not happening? And it almost comes from a place of, am I alone in this? Are others going through this? But I talked to Tony Winters, who talked about their struggles and what happened between this show and that show and how maybe they weren't going to perform again. Or... I've actually had someone who is an American idol. He's been on Broadway. He's done TV and movies. And he's like, I don't know if I'll ever make it. I'm like, what? You're, you're Justin Guarini. You're going to make it. You have, you know, there, but there's this idea. I think a lot of what you talked about in we come from different places, financial perspectives and how we deal with money. I think we all come from different perspectives and how we deal with success and what that means to us, what that looks like. And so that's really what my podcast tries to figure out is, well, this is what this definition of success is and what it meant and how it was or was not achieved in this person. 
and hopefully listeners start to relate as they listen to more of these stories. Yeah. I mean, I've listened to several of the episodes. I subscribe to it. Although all the young kids say follow it, so I follow it on my on Apple <laughs> podcast. And you you do succeed at a- achieving all those things, that honest conversation and and exploring the just the emotional side of, of, of how it all is. But I will say that you don't focus solely on the financial and the business side, but every single episode, it comes up. And so that's why I think this episode that we're going to listen to is perfect for listeners of this show. What stood out to you about your conversation? Well, it came from a place that I was looking to do something with the Actors Fund. And I, I love that organization. Part of what they do is, I mean, it's in their name, they help artists and actors specifically who are behind in medical bills or looking for housing or, you know, need temporary work and, you know, you know how to go through employment agency, you know. So they give a wide range of help and assistance to actors who are looking to, you know, be in a better financial situation. And so I went to them and it was just kind of roundabout that I came upon Rebecca and then once I once I heard her story, she used to be a uh, a performer, musician. She and then she was a lawyer, and so she's kind of gone through her own different paths and careers. Then once I finally sat down and talked with her, I was like, "This woman is perfect because she has such a personality that that comes out, but then also such a care for actors, such a care for." All right, well, let me break it down. This is what it is. And she has a way of really explaining what can be very complex and difficult subjects and really break them down into bite-sized little pieces, which I greatly appreciated. And so much so that she was on one year. The very next year was COVID. And that that changed all of our lives, freelancers and finances. Do we even have them? So... I asked her to come back and almost kind of a, a reboot of the of the episode that you're going to hear today. It was more specifically geared to, okay, now we're in COVID, none of us are working, what the heck do we do? So that was a very specific episode for a specific time, and slowly, thankfully, we're starting to make our way out of it. And so the episode that you're going to be sharing is more of those... Um, those universal things that we can use about budgeting and how best to view and handle our money. And a couple of things jumped out to me about this episode. Well, first, I've been wanting to have Rebecca on artistic finance. So when I heard this, I thought this is the exact conversation that I want to have. And so you and Rebecca are kind enough to let me play it for, for our listeners. And another thing that stood out for me is that Rebecca has a great take on budgeting, which of course makes sense. She's the financial coach of the Actors Fund. <laughs> so anyway, so I just want everybody to listen for that. But Patrick, is there anything else you want to add or or are you ready to play this? Well, I mean, to, to piggyback on what you said, yeah, it's really important. She flips it on its head in the sense that we don't know as actors, as freelancers, how much we're going to be making next month, six months, a year from now. But what we do know is that this rent's got to be paid. Our cell phone is this. We know all these things that line up are expenses that have to be paid one way or the other. Once you kind of have that base figure, then you know, all right, well, now I need to get a temp job or no, I need to go for that job that's going to pay me 700 versus 500 or or whatever the the job is. So like I said, she breaks things down in in such a positive way. You you've told me that these conversations can be difficult with artists about money and about kind of getting them to 
to kind of be honest and and forthright with with what they do or don't do with their money. She really tries to just take that stigma away, and that's when that's really one thing to do as you listen is notice how how little stigma, how how there's there's no judgments, there's no right or wrongs. There's what do you need, and how can I help you achieve it? And that's what I love so much about Rebecca. Okay, folks, I hope you find this as valuable as I did. I hope that you're glad that I pulled it into our feed. I'm going to put a link to the other episode that Patrick did with Rebecca, and I'll put that in the show notes. All right, Patrick, you ready? Let's do it. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show. Yeah, the fact that I got into that much debt with having like zero idea, just so you know, $168,000 in debt is about a $1,700 a month minimum payment on a 10-year plan. So it just pretty simply like divides into 10 years, $1,700 a month. Um, and I would always, I had always been very meticulous about managing my money, Mm -hmm. um, to the point where like, you know, when I was seven years old, I had a little notebook and if I found a nickel on the ground, I would write in the notebook, found nickel 0.05 in this little notebook. So very meticulous. And the fact that I got into this level of debt, having no idea what that was going to mean for my life, for my career, you know, just for my financial situation, I mean, it was mind blowing to me. And like, I'm, I'm one of the ones who's on top of this and still like completely blindsided. So I figured yeah, but, there's got to be other people in this situation. Right. Because where did we go wrong? A lot of us in the entertainment field, we don't even make 168,000 over five years period. Yeah. So, 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 like, so the fact that, that you were able to pay it off was, was kudos to you for well, you. being able to budget and do that. Diving into it. What is it that that us as as performers, as entertainers, as artists need to be aware of when it comes to budgeting. You know, as as we said, because our income is all over the place. Yeah. It's it's down one year, it's up the next, and everywhere in between. We have to flip budgeting on its head, right? And it's it's hard to do that because it kind of goes against everything that any non-industry professional is going to tell you about how to create a budget, right? So usually you look at your income and just make sure that what you're spending fits within that, no problem, right? But then you're setting yourself up to be living a very reactive life. So whatever I make, that's how I can live. But I don't know what that's going to be, so I can't predict anything, right? Right. I don't know how that's going to work out next month. I know how it's working now, but how do I plan anything? So we need to turn that on its head um, and start with what we do spend and what we did spend and then use that as a jumping off point to figure out how much we need to earn and then work that way. So I I think sometimes that's referred to as reverse budgeting. So you create the income to support the, your your needs as yeah. opposed to matching your needs to your income, whatever. Well, it, it kind of makes sense because in other professions, they they have that that contract, they have that salary, so they know year mm-hmm. after year they're going to be making that. Maybe there'll be bonuses or raises, mm-hmm. but they know a set amount that they're going to be mm-hmm. making, and then they live within that mm-hmm. budget. And it's usually more next year than it right. was last year. But like, but, but for yeah. us as entertainers, the only thing we can control really is what we spend. We mm-hmm. don't know. A month from now, six months from now, what that job is going to be a lot of times. Exactly. And so I, I, th- I think that that's a smart way to go about exactly. it, to start with what we can control, which is what we spend. Exactly, exactly. And there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of spending that is not necessarily within our control, right? Sure. Of course, there are things that happen, and we also have to stop treating those things as emergencies because... 
they are not usually. Right, because like, we're going to get sick at some point. Exactly. So we have to plan for that. Exactly. Right. So I say, like, if you have teeth, then you're going to have a dental expense <laughs> yeah. at some point. Hopefully it's not a root canal and it's just, you know, it's a cleaning of some sort. But it's not an emergency to have a dental procedure, right? right. It's It feels like one because you're not planning for it but then you go get kind of go down the rabbit hole of like well how do you plan for every single contingency you cannot but you look at which ones have happened in the past how much they were and how much they cost right and then you use that to kind of hold the space for whatever might happen in the future so um for example when people are looking at their spending uh in the the history of their spending um they'll want to edit things out Right. That's our tendency. It's like, oh, well, I moved last year. So that was, you know, that was weird. That's not going to happen again. Or like, oh, I needed a laptop last year because my laptop broke. So that's not going to happen again for a while or something like that. But we need to hold. And then they kind of cut those things out and think all I need to worry about is just my rent and my groceries and my cell phone bill and whatever. But no, we need to take that laptop expense. If it's not a laptop expense, it's going to be a dental bill. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it's going to be a moving expense. It's going to be something that just just fills up that same space. So so that's the the kind of human nature tendency that like we want to just edit it out, but no, right. we have to leave it there as a placeholder and really acknowledge that that's that's kind of what it costs to be me. Like yeah. that's what I spent. So it sounds like one of the first steps is to really log expenses in in in, in, in a way, or at least go back and look. I guess look at bank statements or that kind of thing to find yes. out where your money has gone. Yes, we teach. Uh, a method here um, that involves looking back at six months of spending and really, really looking at it. Um, so not just kind of sitting down with, because anybody could do this, right? Just sit down right now with a piece of paper and just be like, okay, rent this, da, 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 da. But like really look in detail how much do I did I spend on groceries in the last six months? And then divide by six, this is my average monthly spend on groceries. Mm-hmm. How much do, did I spend on, um, you know, dining out? It's usually food. It's always food expenses. Yeah. So how much yeah. did I spend on food in the last six months? Add all that up, right? And break it down by groceries, dining out, snacks, coffee, you know, alcohol, right? right? Like what did I spend in those areas? I had a client who had a cookies budget. I definitely have clients <laughs> who have like wine. You know, and... a cake and cookies budget I think is good for all of us. <laughs> I have a sweets and treats one because yeah. for me it's ice cream. Like I really like ice <laughs> right? cream. Um, so, so yeah, so really breaking it down into detail and then getting an average for what you actually spent in the last six months. Not looking forward, but looking back when you weren't paying attention, right. when you weren't trying to like control your behavior and you can't edit anything out. Right. So you can't say, oh, well, that seems like a weird number. Like I'll just take the no like you keep everything right yeah yeah if you spent like $75 on you know going to the ballpark Mm -hmm. then and you haven't been in five years then you have to be like well that's what I did in the last six months exactly yeah whatever those weird little expenses are yeah and sometimes the little ones you know they add up in ways that we don't think they will and sometimes there are big ones that we wish didn't happen but they did and so we try to get an average for every single category that applies to our lives Hmm. Um, and that includes a type of expense that I think most people when they're budgeting don't think about um, which is periodic expenses so um, so we break down the expenses here into um, your fixed expenses your regular expenses and your variable expenses all three of those types are occurring on 
a monthly basis usually. Right. So like a fixed expense something, it's hard to change, right? right. Like, like your, your rent. rent. Exactly. Yes. And it's really funny, by the way, when I talk to anybody who's not in New York, they're like mortgage, but in New York, it's rent. rent. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, so your rent or mortgage. Um, and then, right, student loan payment, if you have a car, like a car payment, but those things you're in a contract for, it's, mm-hmm. you can't really change the amount easily. Um, then the regular expenses are things that you could, you know, change the amount if you needed to, like your cell phone bill, your con ed bill, right? So your electric bill. Groceries go up and down. Groceries, not quite, because you don't get a bill for that, right? Right, so the, okay. so the regular expenses are things for which you get a bill. Oh, I see. Every okay. month, so you have to pay it. And then there's the variable expenses, so which are like Wild West. Under, yeah. Yeah, like that's, that. okay. that's everything else. But then there's this fourth category where, or fourth type of expense. I shouldn't say category. Fourth type of expense that really can mess up a budget. And that's those things like the laptop, the dental, things like that, that might happen once a year. Or even union dues, right? It happens like once a year. Right, yeah, because yeah, every six months. Or every six know, months. Actors' equity, right? we got to pay those um, dues. Yeah. So anything that happens like kind of on a recurring basis, but not every month, or that just seems to happen randomly when you least want it to or need yeah. it to, those types of things will really mess up your budget. Um, and so looking at, you know, again, can't predict, but look at what it was in the past and get the monthly average for those things too. So if you spent $800 on a dental expense eight months ago, then you spent an average of $100 a month like on dental and include that too. And then you get this number that's like, oh my God, that's so much. I don't really spend that. Like it's so much higher than I think it is. But the numbers don't lie. People right. do, but numbers don't. So that's that's where we start, right? Like that's the foundation. It's like, what did you spend? Yeah. And there's no right. no weaseling right. out it's, of that. It's, like, it's, a set, it's a set amount. Yeah. You can't get away from it. And it's like, okay, this is my averages for these types of expenses. Yeah. And so then once you have all that down, then how do you use that going forward? Um, then it becomes an analysis right so so that's the gather info phase mm-hmm. um but then there's this analysis piece that has to happen and actually even you know while you're gathering the information and even kind of before that there's an emotional and mental part of this that comes into play too where you start thinking about what are my goals right what do i want what is my vision for myself for my future that really needs to be connected to the decisions that you're making about what to change about what yeah. your spending is because again anybody could i could you know sit here with you patrick and be like here's a reasonable budget for somebody who you know lives in new york city your age range right <laughs> and your profession like here's a reasonable budget and like it means nothing to you yeah. right yeah. and so you want it to be really connected to what you did spend and what you know what's important to you but also what your goals and and visioning are right so for like for me with my my debt um I really was not happy like doing what I was doing and I wanted to pay off my loans as quickly as possible. I also worked with partners who were still paying off their student loans, right? So they had been working at the law firm long enough that they, so probably about 10 years, they made partner and then still like, still had loans, you know, yeah. still had loans because they're like, whatever, like I make enough to be able to afford this monthly payment and like it's no big deal like so whatever it's just part of my life and and that's that's a I think a really solid example of like your goal will dictate how 
you decide to operate right yeah. with your finances. Um, and and, and, so. and you're, you're absolutely right that so much of our, where we put our money is an emotional response. You know, we had a sucky audition and so then we go get coffee or we go get that, that pasta yeah. meal or, or, you know, we, we spend according to our emotions a lot of times. And, you know, like there, there's the show that we really want to see, you know, different things come along and you're, you're right that, that, you know, where we budgeted in the past was kind of an indicator as to where our priorities right. were. And, right. And we either are happy with those priorities or we want to change right. them, right? Exactly. So, like, so, yeah, if you notice that, like, every time I go to a, or every time I have a crappy audition, I want to eat pasta afterwards. <laughs> and it has to be, like, at a, you know, at, like, Carmine's or something. Like, it has to be, you know. Fancy a pasta. plate of pasta at a nice <laughs> restaurant. Then that's okay, right? Like what what you're going to hear in traditional budgeting, and I'm making air quotes here, but what you're going to hear in a traditional budgeting seminar is like, well, you know, you got to cut all that out. Hmm. Like that's, mm-hmm. th- that's dumb. Like you, you should, there's so much judgment. We judge ourselves because we're hearing voices either from those people or from, you know, our childhoods or something, right? We're just, mean to ourselves so you're gonna hear like well you got to cut all that out you got to cut all the lattes you got to cancel your gym membership you shouldn't have this you shouldn't have that you just no 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 right but but we want it to be yes right? like yeah. a budget that you're gonna want to say yes to and that really does require you to look at like well yeah so i'm gonna have a crappy audition and i'm gonna want to eat pasta so do I need to just budget for the big plate of fancy pasta or is there some other way that I can get my needs met? And you get to decide that, but understanding that if you're going to have that fancy plate of pasta, that like $30 plate of spaghetti or whatever it is, um, that you need to account for that and make adjustments elsewhere or make more money so that you can afford that. Right. Right. Either way, but you get to decide that and it's not deprivation, deprivation, deprivation. No, 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 no. It's how do I bring everything into alignment. And then, and so what I'm hearing from you is that budgeting isn't like this like worksheet that you just everything's filled out and you just fill in the little blanks. Well, it, it does it is a worksheet. Not, but, <laughs> but, but but what but I mean so it's, 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 it's not pre it's not pre-filled yes. out. It's yeah. it's very open to our yeah. own lives, our own interpretations yes. and priorities really. Yes. And I want to see that on a worksheet. <laughs> but, and then it better but, be written down. Yeah, exactly. Right? But yeah. but yes, exactly. So so you've you know thought about your goals, you have a vision, you set some intentions and you're being very intentional about this. You gather as much information as possible about what it has been costing to live your life. Um, and as much information as you can about, you know, debt in general, right? Educate yourself about how, if you have debt as part of your life, which many, many, many performing arts professionals do, because that's how gaps are being bridged. Right. Um, so gathering as much information about what's, how things work as well. And then you get to that analysis phase, which really is like, let me look at everything. Okay. We never say I spend too much on, right? I try to train my clients very well. We never say, oh, I just realized I spend too much on coffee. I spend too much on eating out. I spend too much on this. We say, oh, I was surprised by how much I spend on right. or, you know, how the, the amount that I spend on coffee is not aligned with how much I'm enjoying it, right? right? Or something, you know, we kind of try to reframe and rephrase. And so that's the counselor part of my job. Right. Yeah. Because it's all about getting, yeah, it's all about getting our inner voices to kind of quiet down and not be so judgmental. Stop being so mean. Right. (laughs) Right? Um, So that's, that's the next piece is really like looking at all those things and where can I make adjustments and, and in what direction? Because some things 
you need to adjust up. You need to be spending, spending more on more. vacations. You right. need to be spending more, you know, on clothes or taking care of yourself or medical expenses right. and whatever. Or, or, or classes yeah, or and, classes. and training and other things. Right? Yeah. So you need to spend, maybe you need to be spending more in your career. And maybe there are things that you need to be spending less on. So you do a lot of analysis after that. Um, and, and, then, then, and so this is before even getting to income, right? We're, we're still yeah. just dealing with, well, yeah. this is just the spending. <laughs> yes. so, so this is just based yeah. upon, okay, this is... This is my averaging uh, budget. This is what I've spent in these different categories and types. And and, and you haven't even touched spending no. yet, uh, or no. the income yet. No, because the income piece is, especially in the performing arts profession, like you're signing up for something that's not really in your control, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to sign up for a career in which your income is pretty much in your control, go work at a corporate law firm. Like go to law school, get a job, or get right? a job as a paralegal without going to law school. And you know, everybody makes the same salaries and like that's, you get a bonus, you get a raise, you work your hours, you get the money, right? Like that's, that's, that's it. You can do that. If that's the thing that's the most important to you is financial stability, then you're in the wrong profession, right? right? So obviously there's more that's important to you, but you also, I think it's very important that, um, that we understand like what we're signing up for, right? When we pursue a career in the arts, right? It is not a financially stable career. And that is, so there's nothing wrong with you if you haven't figured out how to make it financially stable yet, right? It's not in... It's not inherent um, in in the industry. Um, And so, yeah, so the first piece is to look at the expenses and then try to match the income to that Mm. in whatever way. And it is a very interesting exercise. And this is something that we do as well to see like, what were you earning um, in the last, what did you earn in the last six months compared with what you spent? And where was the gap? And so we call that the monthly profit and loss, right? Mm -hmm. So where where was your profit or what was the amount of your loss? And it's not enough to know I had a loss, right? I I could tell you sitting here right now that I spent more than I made, right? Right. It wasn't a very big last six months and I spent a lot of money. But we really want to be clear on that was a loss of, you know, $1,000 a month, or it was a loss of $500 a month or... Because there, there's power in seeing yeah. that figure. It's it's yeah. it's one thing to just know ethereally, yes, I, I, I spent too much... No, I, I didn't spend too much, see? <laughs> right. see? that's where we... Right, right, <laughs> right, right. That, that, that I was surprised by these, these uh, expenditures. Um, I have not had an acting job in the last six months. So therefore, I've had no income except for unemployment and like random little like nothing compared to my expenses. Eventually, those kind of things are going to come up. Mm -hmm. And so I think now is a perfect time to talk about, all right, well, then how do we get our income to then match this spending? you get in the right headspace, right? So like, this is, this, this is the situation that I'm in and there's nothing wrong with it. I did the best I could with the information that I had. Now I understand how all these things work. I understand what my numbers are. Um, and then you have a number, right? I'm at minus 500 a month or minus a thousand a month or minus 5,000 a month or minus 50,000, right? So whatever your number is, that's, that's your number. And you can, I'm saying number, I mean your loss, right? So if you now need to reduce the amount of your loss and hope to get it to zero, then, or even a a profit, then you can spend less money or you can earn more money. Um, And and hopefully both. both. And if you're going to earn more money, then it's much 
more helpful for you to be able to say, I need to earn $1,000 more a month, or I need to earn $50 more a month, or I need to earn 500, right? What Again, whatever your number happens to be, that helps you figure out how. That's right? true. That's true. So you go for, so here we have a career center. You go, for example, to the career center here at the Actors Fund with, I've done all my numbers. I need sideline work that's going to pay me $500 a month. Then that is a very different job search than someone who says, I, you go to the career center. I need a sideline job that's going to earn me $5,000 a month. Right. right. But both are possible, right? right. Totally possible. But, um, but, but different but tracks to exactly, find, to find exactly. that kind of income. But yeah. that's where this, this work is so much more than just, Oh, I did my budget. Great. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, and I failed at sticking to it. So what is a way that we can better stick to that that budget or once we kind of see our, our basic expenditures? Well, a couple things. One is it's really important to actually track in real time what you're spending. Okay. Um we have apps that we recommend to do this. Um, and, and so on a daily basis, so on a daily you're, kind basis, of, you're yeah. keeping track of, oh, I, I spent this on coffee today. Yes. Oh, I, you know, th- or, this unexpected yeah. expense came up. Or even more importantly than I spent this much on coffee today, it's I have this much to spend on coffee for this week or I have this much to spend on coffee mm. for this month. And this is how much I've spent so far. So this is how much I can spend oh, right, okay, right. today if I want to stick to what I planned for myself. Right. So that's not just like, I want to analyze how I spend. I spend too much. It's okay. So this is how much I spend. This is how much I want to spend. Yeah. This is what would be, I feel like a good amount for me. Um, Let's see if I can do that. And then how that will look. Um, So, so one piece is just the tracking piece um, in real time. And if you're not comfortable using an app, then you could do this on a piece of paper. (laughs) Right. That'll work too um but with the you know there's so many great apps out there um one that we teach here is called good budget but also people use mint for this purpose and there are plenty of others as well those are two that are free do you actually have on your phone like i'm i want to spend 200 dollars a month say on coffee right. and or a week right or maybe not 200 a week but maybe you know i would spend 50 dollars a week on coffee and this is how much i've spent so far so i know when i go into starbucks or to pred or something that this is how much I have left. And I could spend all of it today. It's kind of like Weight Watchers, right? Like I can spend yeah. all of it today. I can use all my points, you know, on this. Or we can or spread can it, out. it out. But yeah. you get to decide that so you're still in control. So that's one piece. And then as far as changing the amounts and sticking to something, um, the first place that I recommend looking is at where you're wasting money. Because it's easy to cut those things out. It's, it's We don't usually think about waste. We usually think about what's the easiest thing to grab onto. And it's usually something that you actually do like and actually would rather keep in your budget. So it's, right. but that's the, the first place I see people go when they're like, sitting. Like with having this. that cookie budget. That was important yes. to, to her. And so she wanted right. to have a budget for right. it. Right. <laughs> but the first place she'd probably try to slash is like, oh, I shouldn't be having those cookies. Right. I'm spending right? too much I'm on cookies. I'm spending cookie. too much on cookies. That's yeah. got to go. Or like gym membership, cable, um, you know, the, I'm trying to think of things that people tend to cut like before thinking about it, right? So it's like the low hanging fruit. Well, so I mean, th- seeing shows. Dining out, seeing shows. Right. Um, so like, I don't have to do that anymore. It's like they try to find something. Mm-hmm. But um, the first place I recommend looking is where are you wasting money? So what subscriptions do you have that you actually don't use? 
You pay yeah. for a gym membership. Are you going? Right. Are you actually <laughs> right? are you getting actually on going? the treadmill? If you are using that, do not cut that, yes. right? Like, if you are not, then okay. Or, like, yoga studio or something like that. But that if magazine that it... comes every month, are you actually reading exactly. it? Exactly. I have a pile on my coffee table, and I've seen all their covers. That's about it. I, I haven't read beyond the covers. That's wasteful. So I'm wasting it. And it might be serving you in some way to have that magazine. Like... This is probably not the case for you, but if you're saying, okay, I, I like getting mail, <laughs> right? Like if it's serving you in I that know, way. I know, in this digital age, getting a physical piece of mail could sometimes it could be, be like, like, I yeah. like looking at the covers on my coffee table because it makes me think, right? So, so this is really like, this is really like psychology of like, how hmm. is it serving me to have this in my life. It's like the Marie Kondo of budgeting. Kind of. Yes, does this spark joy? But, the, but it really is like, does this yeah. spark joy? If no, then then it needs to go. If, then let's if, find something yes. that does bring joy. Or maybe I can yeah. find something, like a free way to have this happen or a less expensive way to have this happen in my life. And food is obviously a huge one for people. Mm-hmm. So it's not, what you know, again, the tendency is, oh, like people have this conversation with me that they're actually having with themselves. And so this might sound familiar to all of you out there and to you, Patrick, mm-hmm. like, Oh, I spend too much on dining out, especially on lunches. I, I should just bring my lunch every day. I'm going to start going to the grocery store and I'm going to start <laughs> like, buying groceries <laughs> and bring, I could bring my lunch every day. I, I could do that. I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing that. Right. No more dining out for me. Like I'm going to bring my lunch every day and this is how much I'm going to save. Boom. Are you really going to do that? Then I spend three hundred dollars on groceries because I'm going to be making my. And then the very next day, I'm out. I have no food, and I have to buy my lunch. <laughs> yeah, time and time, tale as old as time, right? right? Like that's yeah. that is what happens. So there's not. So yeah. I wouldn't say start there because it's probably again serving you in some way to buy your lunch out. So what is not serving you? Is it that you're going out? five days that you're buying your lunch out seven days a week, right? right? And it could be that you bring your lunch two days instead of seven. Or right? that lunch is $20 when it could be 10 right. or 15 And you then know. also, like, are you throwing food away? That is... That's waste, right? See, so, leftover. I love leftovers. Do you I, eat I, them? I, I do. Then I do. that's then you're not wasting the yeah, leftovers. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, I, I will pack things up and put them in a bag or a box, and I will eat them See, later. And yeah. that is awesome. And there could be somebody who is throwing. Like, I'm going to eat these leftovers, and then they throw them out. And then they never eat them, right? Yeah. So, like, so that's the first. The easier place to look is like is, where is find am the waste. I wasting yeah. money? Like, what would I not even miss? Then it gets harder, right? But that's a good place to start, right? Yeah. I have cable, phone, and internet, and I don't use the phone. Like, why, right? So cut the phone out, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I cut out cable years ago, and it's been it's been so good because now I kind of piecemeal. Okay, now I'll choose to have Netflix, or I'll choose to have Hulu, yeah. or or I'll get rid of those services. Like I had HBO for a while, then I let go of HBO because I've like i'm not watching it enough to pay 15 dollars a month i'm not utilizing yeah. it and netflix and hulu give me enough entertainment <laughs> options that kind of thing so it's 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 also it's, it's not just the financial of hey i need to cut this or cut that yeah. it's the what am i actually using right. and you want to make decisions that are sustainable and authentic <laughs> so it's more likely to be sustainable if it is something that's authentically you so it 
you know, again, to borrow from Marie Kondo, it sparks joy. Right. And if it makes you feel good to be doing this and it's not unhealthy for you, then, um, then like keep that and try to find something that isn't making you happy. And that does not usually solve every single problem that you have, right, in your budget, but it's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Because we hear a lot about good debt versus bad debt. Mm-hmm. And so what, when dealing with that, because a lot of times we'll, we'll start using credit cards, you know, in, in between yeah. jobs, we have to use those sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and so what is good debt versus bad debt? And are, is that even <laughs> the right way to look at it? Well, <laughs> I think any debt has the possibility to become bad debt very easily. <laughs> um, so good debt tends to be debt that is um and this is not necessarily my personal opinion but it's it it tends to be debt that's secured by something so it's like oh like i have a mortgage that's good debt because it's secured by a house right or i have student loans and that's good debt because it's not secured by anything but i you know, went you, to school. Right. You have that so, education and so can like, put that to use to make money. Exactly. So yeah. like bad debt is like, oh, credit card debt. But I think in the performing arts industry, it's really hard to put that label on it mm-hmm. because when people are thinking of credit card debt as bad debt, it's because they're like, oh, I bought handbags and shoes. Right. Like not because I was supporting myself for three months and I didn't have any other source of income or I couldn't find easily any other source of income during that time. So I put living expenses on my credit card. Right. And so it's hard to say, like, well, that's bad debt. Right. Um, But it's bad. And I'm, again, making air quotes that are invisible um, because it's hard harder to get rid of it once you have it right so a mortgage you could sell your property and then get rid of your debt that way you could refinance the mortgage hopefully and get a lower monthly payment if you work with the bank student loans same thing there are a lot of different payment options um if you can't pay and you can prove that then like you can often get your payment down to zero dollars right through various various deferment or something forbearance or economic hardship right or even just some of the income-based plans, right? Like a, any any of those options um, will get you to a low or, you know, $0 monthly payment. Credit card companies are never going to take $0. Um, they'll take $25. They'll take $25, but they're never going to take 0 And tack on 15% exactly, or more on top of Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so that's the other piece of it is that credit card debt is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, other forms of debt tend to be a little bit cheaper um, and... You know, when I when I teach this, I'm like, you have to think about debt as like you're renting the money, like you're paying for the thing, right? And you're then paying rent on top of that yeah. to be able to use that money. So the rent is very expensive on a credit card mm-hmm. because, as you said, like anywhere between eight and twenty nine point nine percent, right? So debt is a very expensive see, way of paying for. See, things. see, I'm that old that I remember the days when all my credit cards were like four and five percent. <laughs> remember those days? <laughs> Gone are Gone. those days. Well, and I also remember the days that you could get five percent on a savings account, which you cannot Oof. anymore. Or those were the good days. I, I I did find one that has three percent, so that's where three? I'm at. Three. 
consensus among you know financial planners that are out there and you can kind of go online and find this about mm-hmm. that about that, that that safety net that emergency fund of like yeah. three to six months or whatever you know it, it kind of depends i guess on, yeah. on circumstances don't but i call it an emergency fund it's not, right, an, emergency right. it's, it's not an emergency it's, 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 it's a living zero. fund exactly. it's, it's a future fund is right. whatever you want to call it and that's different from um wealth building Right. So we have kind of different categories of saving. Right. 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 So yeah. one would be actual wealth where you're wealth building, where you're using any 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 amount of cash savings above what you feel like you want to have in liquid assets um, for purchasing assets. So things that are going to either increase in value or produce passive income. Right. So yeah. just like you get three percent on your savings account. Right. Something that's passive to you you don't have to do anything to earn it it just it just came in like so great so so that's wealth building that's different from the quote again air quotes the emergency fund um not an emergency right kind of more like the bridging the gap fund right right right. the in-between fund the in-between fund right and and that would be different from the so that's so wealth building is one the bridging the gap fund is two and then a third one would be the money that you're setting aside for those periodic expenses that we talked about way back when um for things like you know are going to happen like the broken laptop or even like tax payments right so you could be setting aside a portion of your income if it's 1099 income for tax payments and that's kind of an obvious one right like you you're you're getting a check and you're gonna pay taxes so you can put that money aside right away and then you have the account for just your living expenses so just what comes in goes out like on a regular basis so there's like four levels of spending and incoming not always a good business idea, right? It's not well, always, well, that, right. So like that yeah, of. businesses that that takes its own planning, and and we as performers are kind of our own business, yes. and so we have to kind of yeah. monetize and like, what will this class, will this training, then boost me to to get better paying jobs? Yes. You know that kind of thing, and so it's a matter of yes. like really seeing the. The, the progression of if I do this, then will this and this happen? And guess what? One way to look at that is to go back and see how much have I spent on my creative career versus how much have I earned in my yeah. creative yeah, career. Yeah, that, that's when that six months or a year yeah. going back and seeing like, what did yeah. I spend and did it reap the rewards I yeah. hoped it would? And it might be a painful, it might not. I hope yeah. it's very pleasant, a very pleasant exercise. It might be painful, but it will give you information. That was Patrick's episode with Rebecca Selko of the Actors Fund. So Rebecca, first thing she said was that she was good at finance from the age of seven, but she still then got into $168,000 worth of debt. That's a lot of us. Like, I'm not nearly as good as her. Like, at age of seven, I maybe I knew what a piggy bank was, but that was about <laughs> it. You can be organized. You can be good at spreadsheets. You can even understand money, but you still have to match those numbers to reality. Yeah, because like like us as actors and and her herself, she had her own issues where the money just kept piling up and she just wasn't making enough to cover it. You can be good at you know, the spreadsheets as you said, good at the numbers. If you aren't making the money, it doesn't matter how good you are. <laughs> they they have to line up some way and that's that's the trouble that she found herself in and and it really is I mean, to hear 168,000 is just it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, you heard my reaction. I was just like, what? It's just crazy amount. So knowing that someone can go from that to then debt-free 
is that's an inspiration right there. I will admit, when I first was listening and she said she was a lawyer, I thought, well, come on. I'm going to take advice from somebody who's making a lot of money. (laughs) But she said something that was so relatable, and that is that she chose between stability or being a singer. And she went with stability. She actually just glossed over that. But a majority of people choose stability. And they don't often get as far as Rebecca got before they made that choice. So that was just so shocking and relatable and honest. She got all the way through college and then made a choice that, you know, I want a stable life. Well, and and that's what's so great about her then 2020 episode about COVID is that that shook us all up. We had to choose stability because our artistic lives were gone. So the only choice we had to make was stability. And and she really helped us kind of figure out what does stability look like now when what we love to do is gone. Another thing is that some of the people that listen to this show aren't actually in the arts. You know, they appreciate the arts, et cetera, et cetera, but they don't actually have a freelancer life or an artistic life. I thought it was interesting with her because she found a stable career within the arts, you know, by working at the Actors Fund. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are ways of uh, of using your creativity, e- even if it's not particularly related to performing, being on the stage or television. There are ways to be creative in the various aspects of, of freelance and, and the different kind of jobs that we can do day to day. It's definitely relatable. And I think that her budgeting advice, while it's helpful to actors in, in thinking of it uh, from that kind of, we don't know where our next job's going to come from, but that's relatable to any freelancer, regardless of their artistic ambitions. And then the budgeting thing that I pointed out before the episode, where she says, flip it on its head, start with what we need to spend, and then figure out how much we need to earn. You know, review this last six months in detail and average it out. And I know I said I like the Dave Ramsey method to change it every month, but I also like the idea where she said, there's four four types of expenses. There's the fixed, there's variable, there's fluctuating, and then there's one time. And she's saying, ignore all those types and put them all into your budget and then average it out, not to hide any, not to sneak any away. Like, Because I know when I set up a budget years ago, I did that. I got rid of some of the things that were, you know, a laptop. Oh, that's a one time. But no, no, the laptop averages out to, you know, 500 bucks a year or whatever it is. I think you can more easily see where to cut. If, if you know I'm bringing in this much, well, then I can kind of be loosey-goosey with this because my rent's only that and then that and I have this left over so I can do, you know. But if you map out the other way, well, here are all my expenses and I, wait, I spend that much on coffee a month? Well, I don't, what am I, you know, you, you kind of realize before you've made the money what to start cutting out then that frees up more money once it starts to come in. And if you can cut out this item or that item, then maybe you don't need to get that full-time job. You can survive on a part-time job. You know, it's it's things like that that can make the difference between, well, now I need to get a full-time job and I can't pursue acting. Or I can get a part-time job, still audition, but now all I need is a part-time job to make up the difference. And also I love what you said, which was, you called it the Marie Kondo of budgeting. <laughs> right. And you said, cut out the stuff that doesn't spark joy. And you laughed about it. And again, you guys moved moved along quickly. But when I heard the episode, and this speaks to you, Patrick, like, I'm glad you have your podcast. I, I'm glad you have your show because I heard that and I went and canceled a membership that has been bugging me. 
and it was it was only $25 a month, but it was bugging me. I wasn't using it and I kept it for six months longer than I needed to. And when I heard that on the episode, I went immediately and just canceled it because I was like, you know what? This is haunting me. It's not sparking me joy. And while I'm all about, you know, don't cut out your coffee, don't cut out the things that bring you joy. That membership was not bringing me joy. So I went and I cut it. And you have now, it's been a couple months. So you have now saved me like a hundred bucks. Look at that. Because I listened to this episode. I love it. I love it. I love it. See, see, it's, it's, this is what I love about the conversations that both you and I have is that we can, we can apply these things immediately. We can hear that one spark, that one light bulb. It's like, oh, right. If they said that, I can do this. Yeah, I I love that 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 (laughs) affected you. (laughs) So thank you, Patrick. And thank you, Rebecca. (laughs) Um, Another thing that I loved was she was talking about good debt and bad debt. And I love that she said, well, yeah, I don't really like good debt. Like, because she was like, any good debt can become bad debt. You can tell me a mortgage is good debt and I get it. But if I stop working, you know, that debt immediately becomes a looming, looming thing. So I, I, I appreciated her sort of very mild take on the fact that good debt, bad debt, it can all be bad debt. Yeah, I, th- I think that goes back to her not wanting to, to stigmatize certain choices that people have made, because for the most part, you know, I, I have successfully remained debt free, but that mostly had to do with my financial situation. I, I had several robust years of making good money and was able to turn that, become debt-free, and I've been able to maintain that. But had I not had that good stretch of time, I might not have been able to become debt-free and I would not be debt-free now. Look, we're all in different situations and where you're at is where you're at. There's there's no shame in that. There's no reason to beat yourself up. Maybe you made mistakes, maybe you didn't, but here's where you're at. And all you can do is go forward from there. If I was I listening correctly, and you said that you have a credit union with three percent interest. Yes, yes, that is true. Okay, so do you still have that now, three years later? I I do still have the account. I had to put my money elsewhere because I no longer met the stipulations, and so I had to find a, a better rate that was meeting my financial situation at the time. Whenever I discovered it, yeah, it it, it is relatively easy if you're, again, if you're more on the stable side than the freelancer. Because I'm a freelancer, it became a little hard because the stipulations, the easy one is that, okay, they give you a debit card with the checking account and you have to use it 12 times a month and it has to total $100 or more. Okay, that's that's relatively easy. You know, a purchase every other day uh, with your debit card. The hard part actually, because I'm a freelancer, is a direct deposit of 500 a month. Because I get a job here, a lot of it's just paid in paychecks, or maybe I'm Venmoed, or maybe depending on what, where I don't often have a direct deposit going in. During that stretch where I was, had steady income, then it worked great. And I was, I was qualifying for that 3%. Now it goes up to a total of 5%. There's a 3% bracket, 4% and a 5% bracket. As you get into the four and 5%, that's if you take on a Visa charge card, along with your debit card, you make those pay, and then you have to have more in the account. So it starts getting much more strenuous with regards to having 5% interest on your account. But that 3% was doable for a time. But at this point, I don't have, um, 
I don't have that type of income where I'm having a direct deposit. So, and then and then the other one, which is really easy, is an ACH payment. So basically, if you send out a uh, a bill pay, like okay, once a month I send out my my uh, credit card bill, pay that off using that credit union bill pay. Great, then that that's covered. So that there were two easy parts to take care of. It was that direct deposit that knocked me out, unfortunately. And just and it was that. You were then getting three percent in your savings account. No, no, it is it is a it's called a rewards checking account, and it's Consumer Credit Union, myconsumers.org, and you can see if you qualify for it. They keep saying this could go away at any time, but they've been saying that for five years, and for as long as I was with them, it never went out. All right. Well, if anybody has a stable paycheck out there, and if anybody's doing the Dave Ramsey method where they don't use a credit card and they just use debit card. That actually seems like a perfect sort of fit there. Uh, so yeah, okay, good. All right, good to know, good to know. Um, another thing that Rebecca mentioned was wealth building fund. And I like what you added and you said, yeah, even $5 a month, get that habit set up because you can always bump it up. Yeah, because it's much easier, you know, like, like whether it's an IRA or whatever type of investment or savings account that you have, it's easier to, to just bring an amount down or up or fluctuate it rather than having to stop it, then restart it up again and figure it out and make sure the days line up and then then stop it again and make sure there's money that's going in. or Yeah, it's easier to just have that habit in place and then the amount will just fluctuate depending. And I loved her wealth building fund as well because a lot of us don't invest because we're like, okay, we need X amount in the emergency fund. And then after that, we need to put money in the retirement fund and we don't consider the investing account or we don't have an investing account that gives you permission to start making some investments, albeit even if they're very small, but it gives you the power to say, oh yeah, I'm doing an investment because I have a new slogan on this show and it's called, if you're not investing, you're dying. <laughs> so <laughs> no, 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 and it really is true. And, and getting back to that, even if it's five or $10 a month, because when I first started out, this was years ago, and there was a program called Share Builder. It's no longer around. That's but what I started on. That's what I started on. The lowest trading fees. Yeah. Well, at the time, you could you could literally do five or ten dollars a month, and just kind of all right. Well, I'm just going to put money into this and and just let it go. And so that started. I want to say I think 20 years ago is when I first started. And with that, I was kind of figuring out. Oh, what does the stock mean? What is an ETF? I started learning all the phrases and terminology. And from that, then I had some great years where I could do a hundred bucks, 200, 500 a month. And then there were times where it's like, no, I can't do anything. And then it would go back up to $5, but just in those increments, but it was never like tens of thousands of thought, you know, I was never like this heavy investor that the people who, you know, were Warren Buffett's of the world, I wasn't doing that. I was just putting in my little, you know, spare cash here and there. And over those 20 years, now I have so much invested in there that it's just grown over time. It's not it's not a huge amount, but it's certainly more than I would have done had I done nothing. That now a day gain on the stock market, I can make 700 bucks in a day, just just in a gain. I can lose that as well. That's that's how the stock market goes, but but it's at a point now where just these little fluctuations in the market can really benefit me as an investor. And so that's why Okay, great. The best time to invest was 20 years ago. But if you haven't, the best time to invest is today. Yes. All right. So the last thing that Rebecca and you talked about that I want to mention 
spending money on your career. And this one struck home to me because sometimes Ethan is all alone in his apartment. He's thinking, why don't I have a Broadway show right now? What, you know, what have I been doing this for years and years and nothing to show for it? So I think that way sometimes. You and Rebecca mentioned, you know, look at your career. Are you spending money on professional development? That just hit me. And and the reason is, this is, goes back to the Actors Fund. We had Lighting Designer Don Chang on the podcast. She came on and she convinced me that I needed to get on LinkedIn. And she said, there's a free class over at the Actors Fund about LinkedIn. And they'll show you how to create an account, how to get on, how to post, how to do all that. And I did it. I have had, I can't tell you how many guests on this show have now come from LinkedIn. I took a class and that class was not me going alone. It was other people and it was, and again, I didn't spend money on it, but I could have, and maybe I should have. And so that is just me saying that to myself and to other artists listening who are thinking about their careers and thinking, well, where's the trajectory? Where do I want to go? Is there training that you could take? Is there a group or a community you could join that can elevate you? And and I'm saying that because the LinkedIn class is it's still fresh in my mind and that I got so much out of it. And I haven't taken a class for 10 years. You know, when I got out of school, I was like, I'm done, I'm done. Um, and it's just been podcasts and books, online searching, that's been where I've gotten all my information. But there's something about being held responsible with a group and or paying for the very direct thing that you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, there's that kind of, it's kind of quippy and cliche, you know, you have to spend money to make money. So the kernel of truth is that, yes, you have to be willing to, even if it's not money, just your time, you have to be willing to invest into yourself. Because as you said, Actors Fund gives a lot of free classes. So you're not having to pay for them, but you do have to invest the time in the weeks and however long the session lasts. And learn about things that you're not good at. Learn about things that are are ways that you can better yourself. Like I remember I spoke to one of the people at Actors Fund about building my resume outside. I know what my actor resume needs to look like, but what does my business resume need to look like? And what's going to be impressive and what isn't? And when I'm doing these temp jobs or other things, what do I need to do? And so even something like that, they're able to help with. So it's really important to take not just your finances, but also take your time and where you put your energy. Before we wrap up, I want to remind everybody to subscribe or follow to Artistic Finance wherever you listen, because Patrick is going to be back for another episode. And if you're subscribed or you're following, you're going to get a notification when he returns. Again, if you liked Patrick's interview and you want to hear more, you can find a link to Why I'll Never Make It in the show notes. I'll also link to that other episode with Rebecca. And you can also, of course, search Why I'll Never Make It anywhere and you will get directed to his show. Patrick, is there anything I missed? No, 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 no. You hit all the things. It, this has been such a, uh, a joy to be able to share this episode. And it can be a tough subject for people to broach, especially freelancers or, or in our business of the performing arts. I am really grateful for a show like yours that, much like Rebecca, is taking the stigma and it's like, look, this is something we all talk about. And I know it can be tough and maybe even embarrassing at times, but it's something that <laughs> whether you think you're good at it or not, whether it's embarrassing, you're going to have to pay that bill. You're going to have to figure out where your income comes from. It's an ongoing weekly and monthly thing that we all have to deal with. And I think your show is is doing a great job at hitting these different points 
uh, of our financial journey that we may not know that much about, but we need to know about. And so I'm just grateful to, to be a part and to share these with your listeners. That's it for this week's episode. Did you enjoy the interview with Rebecca? Are you glad we included Patrick's episode in our feed? Let me know over on LinkedIn. I'll create a post about this episode, and that's the best place to give me feedback. You can find me on LinkedIn using my name, Ethan Steimel. If you appreciate what I'm doing here on the show and want to support me, consider becoming a patron. Patrons have early access to next week's episode and the outtakes from all shows, including those from today. It's as little as $3 a month. You can cancel anytime. Join up at patreon.com slash artistic finance. That's it for today. Until next week, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.